Hello, it is Sarah, and this is Olate Bloomer. And if you got a chance to listen to the podcast I put out the other day, it was a little bit about country music, this country music uh, artist and sensation, Garth Brooks. And I mentioned that I want to talk a little bit more about him. And he also is going to be kind of center stage in this podcast, but not too much, just looking a little bit at his life and lessons that I take from it when it comes to my career and when it comes to my personal life. And the theme of today is hope and faith and perseverance. What does that really look like? Practically speaking, how do you live a life of perseverance and going after your dreams? And this is something that means a lot to me. I, I think that I know these topics on the surface, that I read about them, but there were some really powerful things in this documentary, Garth Brooks, The Road I'm On, that's on Netflix, uh, that talk about this theme. And I wanted to hash that out just a little bit more. If you listen to the other podcast I, I had, I talked a bit about how Garth Brooks took a long time to get discovered. And he went to Nashville, the center of country music in America, to be discovered, got discouraged, left, and a few years later decided to give it another go. And he was in Nashville for years before he got recognized. But he has a very interesting story, really, about his big break. And what happened to him was that there was this person, basically, in music producing and publishing that really believed in Garth and actually mortgaged his house to start his own business to take Garth on as a client. But when they were pounding the pavement in Nashville, trying to get him signed to a record label, no one would pay attention to him. No one wanted him. He kept getting rejected over and over again, basically being told that he didn't have a good voice, that he wasn't that talented, and that, in their opinion, he wasn't worth signing. And he spent years going through this process of being rejected and was beginning to get very discouraged by it. And one day they were kind of pounding the pavement again with meetings and his agent turned to him and said, it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. In my mind, as far as when you're going to get signed, it's just a matter of when that door is going to open. And that was the only thing really that was keeping Garth hanging on to continue to make music, to continue to perform, to continue to put himself out there. And there finally was one night where he was playing at basically a, a country music uh, bar, cafe, that was a little bit of a showcase. And that's what goes on in Nashville. There's just hundreds, if not thousands of musicians that are constantly showcasing and trying to get discovered and very few get discovered. And on this night, Garth was up seventh. And there was a bunch of record producers, uh, people from different labels that were in the room, but they were really there to see the number one and the number two musician that were on the list. And it just so happens that night that the musician in second place that was supposed to go up second, he didn't show up. He was a no-show. And they were hoping he was going to show up, and it literally was about his turn to go up in the set list, and he still wasn't there. And someone coordinating the event turned to Garth and said, this guy didn't show up, can you go in second place? And Garth did. And he rocked the house, and the crowd just went insane for him through how he performed. He was always an incredible performer with so much intensity and passion who tried to put on the best show as possible for the crowd. And there was record producers in the crowd that had passed on Garth who had rejected him. And one of them basically tapped uh, Garth's agent on the shoulder and said, yeah, maybe maybe we missed something here. Do you think, do you think Garth could come in on Monday and play that for us? 
and Garth did. And Garth got signed to Capitol Records, which is one of the biggest labels uh, for country music at that time. And it was just a, such a profound thing. And what they talked about in the documentary was that idea of being in the right place at the right time and, and doors open. But the bigger thing that struck me was this idea of, you know, the door opening and finally getting your break and your moment. If Garth had quit, if he kept going, but his heart wasn't in it anymore, he wasn't coming out with new music, he, he was half-hearted in what he was doing because he really didn't believe that it was going to work out. You know, he might not have even been at that venue that, that night when that number two guy didn't show up or when he got on stage, he just wouldn't have had the charisma and passion that he once did because it had died out a long time ago. And just how much persevering for your open door is so much about not letting go of who you are, the essence of who you are. And if anything, your passion and your skill set just continues to grow with every no, with every rejection, you keep getting better until that door finally opens. You know, and there's so many other people that are famous that you can talk about this, that you look at them now and you think, who, who would have ever passed on them? Who, who would be out of their mind to not sign Garth Brooks to a record deal and say that he can't sing and that he doesn't have talent? But you can think of so many different people and, and so many different uh industries or areas of entertainment like it's really famous that tom brady he went sixth round in the nfl you think people don't uh, look on that now and think how stupid that was people that passed on him and that's been you know wildly talked about and, and reported on but you think of so many different examples of people that were told that they couldn't sing uh that they didn't have what it takes and they're some of the most successful people in their industry and just how profound that is and that's one message in and of itself, but the big thing that stuck with me is, okay, yes, it takes perseverance. It takes the ability to be rejected over and over again, to get drafted sixth round and still go on. Yes, that's important, but how do you really do that? Like, what does that look like on a daily basis? Because I don't know about you, but every time I'm told no, every time the door slams in my face, every time I knock on the door and doesn't even budge, it, it sounds like there's no one even on the other side. Every time I get rejected or I feel rejected, not only does it hurt, I internalize it. Every single time I'm told no, I doubt myself and I doubt my dream. I start to think, well, maybe there is something wrong with me. Maybe I'm not good enough. Maybe I'm defective. And maybe me believing in this is completely delusional that I should find an easier dream. I should find something else to care about and I should lower my standards of what I can expect in life. And I can lower, I should lower my standards as far as how much I believe I'm worth and how good I think I really am because the message I keep getting it over and over again is this isn't going to work out for you and you don't have what it takes. And what really struck me from Garth Brooks story and it really kind of clicked in my head the other day. And I've thought about this before, but it really kind of clicked in my head and in my heart a little bit more than it has in the past is just for every time I'm told no, for every time I feel like a goal I'm pursuing, I'm getting, I'm getting rejected. Instead of internalizing it to mean that I'm wrong, I'm defective, I shouldn't keep doing this. It's the opposite. It almost should egg me on and amp me up more. To It reinforces that the dream is that much more special, that much more important, because it's so hard to come by. And every time that someone tells me no, 
It's egging me on to just become a better version of myself, to sharpen my skills more. It's a lot of what Michael Jordan talks about in the Last Dance documentary, if anyone watched that as well, of, you know, basically any time that someone challenged him or told him no or said that he couldn't do it, it just egged him on to prove those people wrong. And there's a little bit of maybe spite in that, but just knowing that every time I get knocked down, instead of telling me, instead of internalizing the message to think, well, this clearly isn't for me and I'm not good enough, flipping the, the script and actually saying to myself, this means that I'm worth infinitely more and that this dream, it's almost like I'm even more on track. Every time I get rejected, it's telling me that, that I got to keep going even more. And that was just something that really kind of switched on with me. And, you know, self-talk is so key and it's always been an area of my life that I struggle with that when things don't go quite my way and, you know, I'm told, no, I feel rejected. Things don't work out that, you know, I'm, I'm very hard on myself and very critical on myself and I feel not good enough. And really when, when you realize that, that you're someone maybe who, who has those tendencies, you begin to realize that the, your biggest enemy, your biggest roadblock is yourself. And I know all this stuff is so simple. It's, it's, it's mental health, it's positive self-esteem, it's self-talk. Um, it's cognitive behavioral therapy. It's all those kinds of things. But just having a, a visual example of a performer, of a musician who every time that the door was slammed shut, it made him work that much more harder. And the other thing that I wanted to say would be when there's something that you're pursuing that it's taken you so long to get there, it's taken you so long to achieve. The beauty in that is the joy the grace, the gratitude that you have once you finally get it. The biggest thing about Garth Brooks that's so different than any other performer on the planet is his ability to entertain. And when he entertains, he is so intense. He is so into it. He's so into the crowd. He's famous for performing for over three hours, completely live, um, shaking hands with everybody, signing autographs. And it's genuine. And he says that, that every night that he's on stage still, he is well aware that he is living his dream. And that the dream could be taken away from him at any time. And just the joy radiates from him that, that he knows that he's getting to fulfill his purpose and how amazing that is because of how hard fought it was. And when I think about that in my life of, you know, maybe I feel like I am struggling to find my way in my career, to find the right type of job for me, the right type of employer. Maybe I'm really struggling to find my way, to find those relationships and connections that I really want to have uh, that build me up, that see me for who I am, that I can be myself with. I'm struggling on these journeys. I'm feeling very alone. I'm feeling like the door keeps getting slammed in my face. But when that door opens, if I keep being my best self so that I'm ready for when that door opens, when it does, how much joy and warmth and gratitude am I going to have when I finally get to put on those shoes and be in that role? how much more am I going to be able to make an impact in people's lives and make an impact in the work that I do because I'm going to have so much energy that I'm channeling into it because I know how long I've waited for this moment and for this opportunity. And is it not true that those things in life that are hard to come by that you wait so long for, in a certain way, it kind of makes sense that they're they're hard to come by because they are so important and so rare and so special. And then you treat them so much better than if they came easy. If that job just came easy or that dream employer 
was the first one that you worked for and the first one that you interviewed for? Are those close circle of friends or your partners is someone that you, you met very easily and very quickly in life? I do find sometimes we tend to overlook those jobs or overlook those people. We all have a tendency to take those things for granted in life that come easy. And I think we can all think of people in our lives that we've met and we don't understand maybe why they treat their spouse that way or why they don't think they're lucky to have the amount of money they do in their bank account or um, to have the job that they do. And we kind of shake our heads at those people, but maybe it's because that was something that came a little easy to them that they didn't work as hard to have. And so they don't, they don't have that same experience that we do, or we say that to ourselves, I'd do anything to be a mom. I'd, I'd do anything to have your baby. I'd do anything to have your job. I'd have any, I'd do anything to have your life. We say those things to people because in those areas of life where we've struggled, where it hasn't come easy. And just taking that step back to maybe realize that those areas of your life that have not come easy, instead of viewing them as a curse, viewing that as a blessing and knowing that one day when that thing is yours, that you are going to handle it with care and you're going to handle it with joy. And so that concludes this episode, talking about hope and faith and perseverance of internalizing those messages of rejection differently, where we use it as fuel to keep going. And we can perhaps see the long game where we can see the finish line where we know that when we do cross it, it's a matter of when, not if, we cross that finish line, that there's going to be a level of joy and gratitude that we display that's going to be so different than other people and is really going to have a positive impact on this world. And so thank you for tuning in and I hope you come back to Olate Bloomer for the next episode.